What do you want? It's not that simple. What it's... do you want? The meatloaf! We want it now! I love you. I know. We were on the break! Playing! Awesome. How's everyone doing tonight? Are we good? Good to see you. Glad you're here. Let's keep clapping. Welcome all of our people uh, watching online. Really great to have you. Hey, I heard last week, I want to give a special shout out. There is an entire, I guess it's called a life group of, uh, of students up in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, who watch us from the university every single Sunday night. So shout out to the group there and uh, up in Madison. And uh, Breezy, special shout out to you, Breezy, who's watching as well. So um, someone actually goes by the name Breezy. That's dope though, for real. That's, um, that's awesome. So uh, hey, if you have your Bible, go ahead and get it out. We're gonna turn to 1 Corinthians in just a second. And uh, welcome, I know it's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. And uh, so were there booze? <laughs> like boo sucks. Uh, so I heard, I heard today for the first time uh, that some people call it Galentine's Day. So, <laughs> Palentine's, no, no. Guys are not getting together and celebrating. So, um, but yeah, so happy Valentine's Day. And we are starting, as you can see behind me, look at Keith Jr. there, that's awesome. You're famous. So uh, we're starting a brand new series called It's Not Me, It's You. And so uh, if you're new to Sub30, uh, I'm Clay, I'm the Sub30 pastor for the next three weeks. Uh, as we typically do every year, at least once a year, uh, we'll do a series centered around the topics of sex and marriage and dating and being single and relationships and all that kind of stuff. And so it starts tonight, it's awesome, glad to have you, um, but it's gonna take us the rest of the way through February. So each week we're gonna keep going deeper and deeper into God's word and uh, grabbing hold of some good stuff and I believe it's gonna bless all of us. And so before we get started, I feel like I should explain that it's not me, it's you thing real quick. Um, typically, I think we've all heard it the other way around. Um, we all have heard it before in, in a breakup situation. Maybe it wasn't you, but you know, maybe you heard it from a friend. Uh, we've heard the expression, look, it's not you, it, it's me, right? Has anyone ever been broken up with and told that? Hey, it's not, it's not you, it's totally me. The only problem with that is no one ever really believes that. Like no one really genuinely believes, hey, I'm the sole reason all my relationships fall apart. No one really believes that. What we really freaking believe is, yo, it's not me, it's you. You're jacked up, that's why we're breaking up. You're messed up, that's why I'm getting out of this. It's really, it's not me, it's you. And so uh, here's what I wanna do though, is even though I believe it takes two people, right, in a healthy relationship, a marriage, whatever it might be, really doing their part and working hard to, to make it healthy and successful. Um, I, I do understand that in, in looking at relationships, here's what I wanna do for the next three weeks is I want to examine uh, the common denominator in all of your relationships. That would be you, okay? And uh, you're, you're the common denominator. So if you feel like every relationship you've ever been in is, is a massive crash and burn, 
then let's examine the common denominator, which is you. And I wanna make sure over the next three weeks that you have a, a right understanding of God's standard and his plan and everything he has to offer uh, so that if you are currently a hindrance to yourself, you'll no longer be a hindrance to yourself in future relationships. And uh, you can make sure that, man, you got what you need so that, man, you go into a, a new relationship that might ultimately lead to marriage. Uh, you know that, man, I, I have God's word in me. I have his standard. I, I know his plan in regards to all things, sex, marriage, dating, all that kind of stuff. And so that's kind of where we're going. I, I wanna, uh, where we're going. I wanna say this though, before we get started. Over the next three weeks, I want you to listen for you. I don't want you to like take notes for like that ex-boyfriend, okay? You're gonna like send them to him, email him like you should have freaking been at church. So uh, like don't take notes for anyone else. I want you to take notes for you. I want you to listen for you. And uh, as everything is shared, I, I don't wanna, there's gonna be a lot of funny moments. There's gonna be some serious moments. There's gonna be some pointed moments. We're gonna be like, ouch, that hurt, you know? Like there's gonna be a lot of different moments, but, but at the end of the day, here's what I want. I, I don't want you to feel condemned. I don't want, I do, I don't want anyone in here to feel shame when you leave church over the next three weeks. But what I would ask is that, hey, let's all let our guard down. Let's not be offended. Let's not get upset as things are shared, okay? Because we're, we're all coming from a past. We've, none of us have ever done it perfect. And, uh, and God's gonna speak to us over the course of the next three weeks. And we're all gonna be better for it, I believe in Jesus' name. There's three things I know God wants us to be. He wants us to be whole, blessed, and fulfilled. I know God wants that for you. And if we can get a right understanding of God's word in these areas, then I believe it always leads to whole, blessed, and fulfilled. So right here in 1 Corinthians chapter seven, we're gonna start reading real quick. We're gonna stay in this chapter for the whole three weeks. So you can read it when you go home. It's one, one chapter uh, in the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter seven. And, um, and I wanna say this, if you don't come all three weeks, you're not going to get a balanced view of what we have to say in regards to this topic. Okay, if you only come for one week, you will get an imbalanced view of kind of our position and, and our belief on, on some of these things. And so I encourage you, come all three weeks, right? Starting in verse one, in 1 Corinthians chapter seven, it says this. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, it's all good. It's up on the screen. It says, now for matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not, everyone say not. It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. There's already a guy in here saying, crap, I hate this church. So, um, okay, but let's keep reading, okay? It's, it's gonna work itself out, all right? Uh, verse two, but since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but he yields it to his wife. And do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. And then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift and another has that. If you wanna take some notes tonight, week one of our series I've entitled Sexual Relations. Sexual, just look at your neighbor and say relations. So. <laughs> relations. I think that was on a Family Guy episode. So um, let's pray and we're gonna get into it tonight. Father, Lord, we love you. 
And uh, God, we welcome your Holy Spirit. Come speak to us. Show us things we've never seen before in the Bible, God. Help us to grow in this area of our life, God. You want us to grow uh, in so many different areas, God. And throughout the course of a year, we preach on a lot of different things. But for this month, God, we're focusing in on these topics of marriage, sex, relationships, dating, the whole deal. God, help us to grow in wisdom in these areas so that we can uh, act like, be like, uh, more, more like you, Jesus. We love you, and we thank you for what you're gonna do. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Amen. Now, when it comes to all verses in the Bible, especially right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, um, I, I believe this. In order to understand the text, you have to understand the context. When you read the Bible, context is very, very important. This is why sometimes people can take things in Scripture out of context. Who's ever met that person? You took, okay, like we all have. Something was taken out of context. When you read Scripture, you need to know who's saying it, who's it being said to, and what's happening, and, and why are they saying it, okay? That's context. And so right here in what we just read, Paul is the writer of this book, the Apostle Paul. And uh, it was an actual written letter to the, the Christians and the believers at the early church in Corinth uh, over in, uh, in Europe at that time. And as Paul is writing this letter, he's a single man at this time. That's important for you to know. Paul is single as he's writing this letter. But hear this, Paul wasn't always single. In fact, most scholars and historians all believe Paul was married, but that his wife must have died, maybe from an illness, and now he's widowed and he's single again. Why do we believe that? Because Paul would have had to have been married in order to hold the position that he had in Jewish culture at, at that time. So homeboy used to be married, now his, his wife is not in the picture, we, we don't suspect divorce, we, we suspect that she passed away, and now Paul is single as he is writing this to us. And many people will read this passage of scripture, and when they know that, they say to themselves, well, okay, so, so Paul is basically that guy where, you know, because like he isn't getting any, he's trying to tell the rest of us that we shouldn't get any either, and, and, and that's how a lot of people view the church. Like, that's how people view the church. People think the church is like, oh, well, since you Christians aren't having sex, you're just trying to get the rest of us not to have sex either. And, and, and that's actually not true at all. And so what I wanna do at the start is I wanna make sure we're all on the same page. Everyone starts on the same level playing field. I wanna give you a few things to understand. Number one, God created sex. God, yeah, come on. <laughs> so it's like, straight up, this is the best preaching I heard all year. So... Uh, God created sex, number one. Number two, God builds the church, okay? Number three, the church is pro-God. Like, we like them, we, okay? The church is pro-God. Therefore, number four, the church is pro-sex inside of the standards and boundaries that God has given us. Have you ever noticed that a lot of people don't like that, though? Like, they're, they're, they would be like, yo, why can't we just be pro-sex? Why does it have to be pro-sex within the boundaries and the standards that God's given us? Why, why is it that way? Let me answer that question. Why? Because God created it. God created sex. Now, if you want to go out and create something, then I'll give you permission to define it and determine how it's going to be used. When you create it, you get to define it. When you create it, you get to make the call on how it's going to be used. Let me, let me uh, give it to you like this. When we first opened up this building several years ago, right here, this, this arena location for Celebration Church, um, we decided that we wanted to serve Starbucks coffee in the loft. 
in our cafe and resource and stuff like that. We wanna serve Starbucks. And so right before we, we opened up the loft, Starbucks themselves sent us a bunch of stuff, right? They obviously sent us the coffee, they sent us the cups and the whole deal. But then they send us like this 10-page folder and all that's in this one 10-page folder is how you can and cannot use a Starbucks logo. Like 10 pages, there's pictures and everything. It's like, if it's gonna be a black and white logo, it has to look like this. It cannot look like this, it cannot look like this. If you're gonna use the green one, it's gonna look like this, it cannot look like this, this, this. Like here's how you're gonna put it on cups and posters and everything. And, and if you don't use it, like we've approved, then either you can't serve our product anymore or, or worst case, we'll sue you, okay? But this is how you're gonna use it. I say all that to say, even the world understands this idea of creator gets to determine. Creator gets to decide. Creator gets to define and creator gets to make the call. Why do we have to do it within the boundaries and standards that God has given us? It's because God created it. Creator God. And that's what we're gonna do in this series. The next three weeks, we're gonna read God's word and figure out how creator God, who wrote this book, divinely inspired, given it to us, how he wants us to go about doing these things in our life. And I, and I think this is important. You can write this down. Our generation needs to learn and understand this. It matters who you take marriage advice from. It matters who you take sex advice from. It matters who you take dating advice from. Like you wouldn't walk into the gym and hire a trainer that's more out of shape than you are, okay? Like I love, I love golf, right? I love playing golf, I love the sport, but I ain't trying to find some golf instructor that shoots 100 on a good day. That, that's not, because I'm, I'm better than that. Like I, I want someone who's further down the road. I want someone who's doing it better than me, who has more experience than me, who's doing it in a healthy and positive way. That's who I want speaking into my life. But for our generation, you know who so many people, their sex therapist, their marriage therapist, their dating therapist is their roommate. Like we, under, we live in under roommate therapy for so many people, right? And, and, and no offense to roommates, I had a lot of good ones when I was still in the single world, right? And roommates are there and they're an encouragement and they can speak encouragement and they can lift you up when you're down and they're, they're a shoulder to cry on and they're all those types of things. But man, when it comes to, to me getting into a marriage or me stepping into all of these other things, if my roommate hadn't been there or isn't there, then I'm only, hey bro, I love you, but I need to go find some other advice. I need to go find some, some other advice, mentors, people who have, Walk this path and they're doing it in a healthy, healthy way. A long time ago, I heard some of the best advice that I've ever heard in my life. You can write this down. It, it goes like this. Never accept constructive criticism from someone who hasn't constructed anything. That's, that's not just for sex and marriage and dating. Boy, that's for every area of life. Never accept constructive criticism from someone who hasn't constructed anything. A lot of times people come up and they wanna give me advice, like, like they wanna give me advice on preaching, they wanna give me advice on ministry, they wanna give me advice on, on, on being a husband, all this kind of stuff. The only problem is they haven't actually constructed anything healthy on their own. Man, when it comes to who I receive advice from, it, it matters. And so what we're gonna do is, I, I couldn't think of anyone better than the one who created it to give us the advice on how to go about it. And, and how to use it and how to step into it. And so that's what we're gonna do in this series. And as we get started into the meat of the message tonight, I, what I wanna do this evening is I, there's like four main sections that I wanna kind of talk around uh, this evening as we look at 1 Corinthians 
chapter seven. And so number one, we're gonna jump right into it. It'll come up on the screen. The, the first thing I wanna talk about is the tension between questions and issues. Questions and issues. Now what you need to understand uh, in, in the Corinthian uh, passage right here is that the Corinthian church, all of the new believers, they had actually sent Paul a letter first before Paul then responds in what we know as 1 Corinthians. Right? They're new believers, they're new to this whole church thing, and what do we do, and how do we go about it, and this guy Jesus, we, we wanna live for him, but we didn't really know about him in the early days, and now we do, and, and so they have a lot of questions, and they send a letter full of questions to, uh, to Paul. And, and we finally get here to chapter seven, but when Paul starts to kind of answer their questions, but what I thought was interesting is that for six chapters before this, Paul didn't answer any of their questions. But what he did do is he addressed a lot of issues. In other words, I think Paul is saying like, hey, I know you guys got a lot of questions about different areas, but before we get to your questions, man, there's a lot of issues we need to address. There's a lot of stuff over here. He goes into talking about, look, there's incest happening in your church, okay? That ain't good. There's prostitution happening in your church. That ain't good. Boy, he, he addresses all sorts of issues because I've realized this, sub 30, sometimes the questions we're asking are not indicative of the real issues we're facing. Oh, we got tons of questions when it comes to this stuff. And God, when am I gonna get married? When's it my turn? And where's he at? Where's she at? And God, I got questions, questions, questions. And I think sometimes God is a whole lot less concerned about answering your questions. He's more concerned with dealing with your issues. Making sure the issues are getting themselves worked out in your life. He really wants to, to get the issues done. And Paul doesn't even talk about their questions for six chapters. Then he, he's talking about their issues. He finally gets around to it and Sometimes, man, the questions we ask aren't really the issues that we're facing. You know, I thought about this and I realized that my wife, Bethany, who's actually somewhere uh, with our son, I was gonna say right there and then I was like, oh crap, she's not there. Uh, uh, my wife, Bethany, she actually does this a lot, just like Paul did to the Corinthians. My wife does this uh, to me sometimes. Uh, when I ask Bethany a question, um, she doesn't just answer my question, she answers the 10 questions that I didn't ask but apparently should have asked in, in the process, right? And so I really gotta budget my time if I'm gonna ask a question. So like the other day, um, she came home and it was like, you know, we're, we're getting around the dinner table and I knew that she had had lunch with someone that day at 12.30 and so I asked this simple question, hey Beth, how was lunch? And her response was, oh God, I mean, I woke up in the morning and Jude was just a nightmare and, and like I tried to feed him his breakfast and he just was not wanting to eat breakfast and then it was time to get dressed and we could not find a sock. I guess I need to do some laundry because there are no clean socks anywhere in here. And then finally I found Jude's shoes but he didn't wanna watch any Mickey Mouse that morning so we finally put his shoes on and then when I got him in the car and he was a nightmare all through the car and as I'm going to the lunch, I realized, oh my gosh, I don't have gas in my car so I go to the gas and then I realized, well, is there money in the check-in because we got a check-in and a savings and I don't really know which one is, is there and, and so... And so then I finally, you know, I got the gas in the car, but then I, on the way to the lunch, I realized, man, I haven't been to Costco in a minute, so I need to go buy Costco, and you wouldn't believe how busy Costco is on a Tuesday. And, and I got in there, and I got my membership card out, and, and, and all of this stuff, and I'm thinking to myself, I know the lunch is at 12.30, but here in real time, it's only like 9.30. And I just need to know, hon, is this gonna be a play-by-play, because -play? I had some plans, should I cancel my plans tonight? Because I wanna hear what you have to say. But I just don't, I, what, should I, what should I do, right? She, she answers a whole lot of questions that, that I didn't really ask, right? And this is what Paul is doing. Paul's like, yeah, you got questions, but what you should be talking about are some of these issues. So, so let me hit the issues first before we get to your questions. Sub 30, sometimes God 
Before he answers your questions, he wants to bring healing to your issues. Let's not fool ourselves into thinking that there's not a one of us in here tonight who doesn't have some issues. We all got issues that we need God to help heal. And so follow me on this. Before you find the right one and mess up the right one, because you're not the right one, maybe you need to allow God to, to come in to your life and to help you find some sufficiency and some identity in Jesus. So that when you do step into that relationship that could lead to marriage, you will now not project all of your dysfunction on the other person and in that relationship. You, you're free at that point to walk into a new relationship, man, healthy, whole, I, I'm sufficient in Jesus, I have my identity in Christ. And when you walk into a relationship like that, you're free to be a giver. But boy, when you walk into a relationship needy, all you ever do is take. Needy people take in a relationship. That's why man, I, see, I see people who are needy all the time, right? We're not gonna point any fingers, but we've all seen that girl and we've all seen that guy and they can't go a week without somebody on their arm. And as soon as that relationship breaks off, they're so distraught about it and we're all saying to ourselves, I, I'm not gonna cry with you because you're gonna have somebody else on Instagram in a week, so it don't really matter. So, right? Needy, needy. You, you have needs, but don't be needy. Needy people take. You cannot find a needy giver. There are no needy givers in relationships. They're only needy takers, and you don't wanna be that person. You can turn the right one into the wrong one if you don't deal with your issues. And there's a lot of people in our generation, and all they are focused with is finding the right one. And I just wanna to propose to you tonight that instead of maybe treating 2016 like finding the right one, maybe you focus more on becoming the right one. And as I become the right one, and as God deals with my issues and gets me to that place of health, then I know he'll bring uh, someone my way at the right time. And so here's the Corinthian church. It's full of new Christians living under Roman rule. They're trying to figure out how to do things God's way. And what I noticed as I was piecing all of this together, I couldn't help but notice that historically speaking, the church has been really good at answering the questions that no one's asking while being silent about the issues and struggles that everyone's facing. Right, And so we got Christians in our day and age who will sit around and debate and argue over when Jesus is coming back, even though he said, you're not gonna know the day, the time, or the hour. I come back like a thief in the night. And, and all the while, we got middle schoolers on the school bus learning about oral sex and sexual identity, okay? We, we can't be afraid to talk about the issues anymore. There's a generation literally and emotionally dying when we are afraid to talk about the issues. If, if you can't talk about the issues in church, if you can't address the issues in church, if you can't take off the mask and let Jesus do the work on you in church, then where's it gonna happen? We gotta be ready to talk about the issues. It's the only way healing's ever gonna come. It's the only way we're ever gonna get this right is when we allow Jesus to do that work in our life. I, I, come on, I'm talking about issues that people don't even wanna talk about. We have teenagers in the riot here at Celebration Church in our middle and high school, but we have teenagers who are struggling with sexual identity, sexual conflict issues, and, and they, they're afraid to talk about the issues. They don't wanna tell their friend about the issues because they're afraid if I say something, I won't have any friends anymore. Come on, we, gotta, we can't be afraid to talk about the issues. We can't be afraid, man. Our generation needs us. Our generation needs to know what God has to say and what God's standard is in regards to a lot of this stuff. And so Paul addresses a whole lot of issues. He finally gets to their questions in chapter seven 
and he answers the first question. One of, one of the questions they asked Paul was, hey, Paul, is it okay if we want to not get married and just be single, okay? Is that okay, Paul, if we just wanna, if, if we just wanna be single? And he answers it in verse one when he says, for the matters you wrote about, here's what he says, it is good. Everyone say good. It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. In other words, what Paul is saying right here is you can be single and unmarried and still be complete. It is good, even if you're not in that, in that relationship, even if you're not in that marriage, even if you're not having sex with a spouse, even if you're not, it's still good because marriage does not equal completion. Jesus equals completion. We're complete. In Jesus, and understand this, sub 30, each season, marriage and singleness, each season has its strength and its struggles. Each season absolutely has it. I hate when I see married people belittle single people. I hate it. At the same time, I hate when I see single people belittle married people. I see it both ways. I see married people say to single people like, oh, well, you just don't know anything right now, but when you get married, you'll start to really know stuff and you know, just it, it'll come, and, and they just be little. At the same time, though, I see single people being like, oh, thank God I'm not married and you can't do anything anymore and at least I can still go out and have a life and you're just sitting around. Like, I hate when I see all that because both seasons have strengths and both seasons have struggles. Let's not fool ourselves into thinking that one is better than the other. They both have hardship and they both have struggles and, and, and advantages at the same time. And if you're single in here tonight, understand this. You don't need someone on your arm to be good, right? Paul said it's good. You don't need someone on your arm to be good. You're good because God made you and God makes good stuff. You're, you're good just where you're at. And Paul says it is good. And if anyone would know, it's Paul because Paul's speaking as a single man. Paul speaking as a man who's saying, yo, I used to be married. I used to, be in, I, I used to do all the stuff that married people do. Now I'm not married anymore and it's still good. You know what I love about this right here is Paul who writes most of the New Testament is living proof that you can still accomplish your destiny. You can still do great things for the Lord and build the kingdom of God even when you're not married. So many people think, man, I can't wait to get married and start a family so I can really start doing stuff. You can really start doing stuff right now. Right now. Letting God use your life. And Paul is proof of that, right? Questions and issues. The second thing I wanna talk about tonight is, uh, is suggestions and standards. Let's talk about suggestions and standards. Okay, so if there is such a thing as sexual immorality, then that must mean there is something called sexual morality, okay, right? We talked about God made sex, right? He made it, he is for it. And, and what is then God's sexual standard? Sometimes I get asked, Pastor Clay, what's, what's the standard? What is the church's stance on sex and all of this type of stuff? Paul answers it in verse two when he says this, but since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. You see it right there? Each man. You know, just for the sake of all of us tonight, let's just read it together, class, starting, for, uh, starting with each man. Ready? One, two, three. Each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband, right? Okay, so, Pastor Clay, I don't have a wife. Then you don't get to have sex yet. 
But Pastor Clay, I don't have a husband. Then you don't get to have sex yet. It's as simple as that. There is the standard. Where does the church stand? That's where the church stands. Right there, okay? But watch this, Sub 30. God does not impose standards on your life to make you more miserable. See, so many people think standards don't equal less fun. Standards equal more fulfillment, more blessing. That's what standards equal. Some people look at a standard and they immediately assume, oh, there goes all the fun because now there's a standard in place. That's not why God put it there. God put it there to bring about more blessing and more fulfillment in your life. That's why the standard is there. Look at Genesis chapter two, verse 17 and 18 real quick. I thought this was profound. It says this, this is God talking right here, but first, uh, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Verse 18, then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Everyone say helper. Helper. See what's happening right here. In verse 18, God plans to give a partner and a spouse, but in verse 17, he set up some boundaries in the garden. In verse 17, he's like, yo, here's the boundaries. Don't touch the tree, okay? And then in verse 18, now I can bring the blessing. See, God sets the boundaries. He sets the standards before he brings the blessing into your life. Why does God do that? Because God knows that if he gives you a blessing with no boundaries, it won't be a blessing anymore. We're gonna talk more about that next week, about what those boundaries look like. That's why God puts boundaries in our life. And, and hear me tonight, watch this. The thing that unites every single one of us in here tonight, every person breathing air right now, the thing that unites all of us is that we all agree there should be a sexual standard. Everyone does. You're like, really, do I? Oh, you do. <laughs> Everyone agrees that there should be a sexual standard because watch this, without a sexual standard, then we would all have no problem with sexual abuse, rape, and pedophilia. But we're like all against those, right? No, I mean, yeah, that's, that's totally bad. You see, humanity intrinsically realizes there needs to be a standard in regards to things of sexual nature. There needs to be a standard. And I, I'm simply here over the next three weeks to share with you that that standard is written in God's word. The standard is from the one who created it, right? And uh, the good news is that there is a standard. The bad news is, or the disappointing news is that you don't have permission to define it. I don't have permission to define it, God gets to define it. And so Paul goes on, right? He says, each man should have relations with his own wife. He didn't mess up when he used the word wife. You know, you can insert the word husband there as well, okay? So let me just say it, I gotta make it practical for some people so there's no like hidden messages in this whole thing, okay? If she's your girlfriend, she's not your wife, okay? And if you'd like it from her, then you need to put a ring on her, speak a vow to her, and be married, okay? If he's your boyfriend, he's not your husband, and if you'd like it from him, hello, put a ring on him, speak a vow to him, and be married, okay? There's, there's the standard, right? And, and watch this, okay, sub 30. When, when you go against the standard, you don't break the standard. The standard breaks you. Every single time, okay? Yeah, I was preaching that one, okay, so. All right. Okay, number three, right? Number three, the third thing we wanna address tonight in the time that we have left, there's only four. The third thing is desire and duty. Desire and duty. Uh, verse three says this, the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. Now, I don't know about you, but um, uh, that is not the most romantic language at all. 
Like this word duty. Like no woman wants to be considered her husband's duty. Like she's on the same list as like taking out the trash and doing the dishes. Like, oh, I'm, I'm just the duty that he has to, like, no one, okay? But, but notice, watch this, Paul, in this passage of scripture, Paul never speaks of fulfilling your sexual desire. He never speaks of desire, he uses the word duty, right? Let's keep reading, verse four. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but she yields it to her husband. Now, back then, in Greek misogynistic society, the men would have loved that. The men would have loved that. Yeah, you got better yield that bod, come on. So, all right? <laughs> They were all about it. But then Paul flips the script and he says in the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but he yields it to his wife. And so for the first time ever in the early church, Paul introduces this idea of mutual submission. Mutual submission. You wanna know what marriage is about? It's about mutual submission to one another. You see, desire is all about you. Desire is all about your needs and your wants. Duty is about fulfilling the needs of my spouse, taking care of my spouse on every level, including the level of sex. And I, I thought to say it like this, um, desire can light a fire, but only duty can keep it burning. Desire in the early days, I mean, there's, there's desire in relationship for sure. Desire might light the fire, but boy, duty is gonna keep that fire burning year after year after year in a marriage covenant Relationship. I know it's not the most romantic of terms, but the bottom line is marriage requires duty. Marriage requires work at times. And, and I'm a fan of marriage. I never, like, I never look at my marriage as, it's, as if it's a job. Like it's never a job to be married to Bethany. But what this verse should do is it should scare some of you off of your ideals of marriage. Let me, let me illustrate it like this. Um, every summer, like a July or August or, or something, um, Discovery Channel always does Shark Week. Anyone love Shark Week? I love it. I, for seven days straight, that's all I do before I go to bed is I just watch Shark Week. Um, but, but here's what I know, is that I think I like watching pictures and videos of other people swimming with great white sharks more than I would actually like swimming with great white sharks. And so when I thought about that, listen, Sub 30, I think there are people who are in love with the picture of marriage and the picture of relationship, but they have no idea the duty and the work that is required when you get into and maintain a healthy one. There's duty and there's work. We have a lot of people in our society, boy, they love weddings, but they mock marriage. Boy, we, we love weddings and we mock Marriage, and Paul introduces this word, duty. You know, I was just at a wedding um, just a couple days ago. Pastor Layton, one of our youth pastors, got married, and it was awesome. And uh, they're on their honeymoon now, and it was a great wedding. I've officiated a lot of weddings. I've been to a lot of weddings and, and the whole deal. And, you know, they're all kind of the same. We've all been to them. And, you know, here's the, here's the couple, and they're getting married. And, you know, they're saying vows to one another. And they, they exchange rings together. They give each other a ring. And all the people who are there, they, they give gifts. Maybe they give some money. Maybe they give some stuff, some items for the house or whatever. You know what we should give people when they get married? We should give them a shovel because marriage is work. And sometimes it's gonna require you to dig it out together and work towards building a healthy, godly marriage. So many people going into marriage full of desire, but they have no idea about duty. And Paul's saying, hey man, there's duty involved here. It is no longer just you. Like it's about me, right? And marriage is about me being fulfilled. Nah, bro, it's about your spouse. It's about looking after the needs of 
your spouse. I've heard people say before, Pastor Clay, my marriage just isn't working. Well, maybe it's because you're not. I should have said that with a smile on my face. That was harsh. Maybe it's because you're not. Uh, right? Marriages work. You gotta put in the work. It's not just about desire, it's about duty. I, I had this thought. Some people, man, when they get married, um, if you went to your job like you came home to your spouse, you wouldn't have a job anymore. Like, like some people, they go to work in the morning. Boy, they're happy, they're positive, they got a smile on their face, looking for promotion, looking for a raise, and then they go home to their spouse at night and they're a nightmare to be around, Right? Let me say, for those of you who are not married, here's what's gonna happen. One day you're gonna get married. God's gonna lead that person in your life, right? You're gonna get married. And what you're gonna find out is that you're gonna wake up in the morning. You're gonna go to one job for eight or nine hours. They're gonna come home and you're gonna do another job, okay? And it's called marriage. It's called being a good spouse. It's called being a good mom, a good dad. There's a whole nother job waiting for you when you get home because marriage is about duty. Sometimes marriage is not pretty like a picture. Sometimes it's, it's not what we perceive it to be in our life, and you have to ask yourself tonight, am I more in love with the picture of marriage than I am in understanding the work that's gonna be required? Because without a sense of commitment, without a sense of, uh, of faithfulness and duty, you'll come into this marriage thing thinking, what can I get more than what can I give? It's not about getting, it's about giving. A lot of people want the gift of a relationship without the giving of themselves. Let's keep reading in verse five, it goes on to say this, Paul. Paul gets past some of that and then he says, look, don't deprive each other, okay? He's talking about, talking about sex here. Don't deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent for a time so that you can devote yourselves to prayer but then come together again. So Paul's literally saying, he's like, hey, do, do your bit and if you gotta stop doing your bit, then just come over here, say a quick prayer, okay? And then we're back to doing our bit again, okay? And so that's, all right, that's how that's gonna work, okay? You devote yourselves to prayer then you come back together again so that you won't be tempted um, by the enemy. And, and this is, what I wanted to say in this point right here in that particular verse. You see, that is a picture of what immature, selfish marriage looks like. This is what immature, selfish people do in marriage. They'll, they'll do things like this. Um, they'll say, now because you did not give me what I expected, I'm gonna withhold from you what you need. Immature, selfish marriages. You didn't do what I expected, I'm gonna withhold what you need. So, so guys say, hey, we're not having enough sex and so you're not giving me what I expect, so you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna withhold affirmation. I'm gonna withhold love. I'm gonna withhold blessing. I'm gonna withhold all of the emotional things that I know you need because you're not doing what I want you to do. It goes vice versa. The woman says, hey, you're, you're not affirming me enough. You're not blessing me enough. And so she just shuts it down in the bedroom. It's selfish, immature marriages that some people are walking through. I know a lot of people in the room tonight are not married. This is your premarital counseling for when you ultimately do get married. And Paul's saying, look, don't deprive each other like that. Let's not play games like that. Let's not do that. It's not gonna lead to anything good, okay? It leads to emotional and sexual deprivation, and that's not good in any marriage, okay? As, as the band gets up or as the keys get ready to join me, the last one is this for tonight. The, the fourth thing is let's talk about gifts and grace. Gifts and grace, Chapter seven, verse seven, Paul says this. He says, I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift. Everyone say gift. Each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift and another has that, right? 
I love Paul, right? He's just, he's the man. He comes, he starts, I wish all of you were like me. Like who says that, first of all? Um, like man, if you guys are just like me, we had no problem. So um, Paul says it though, I, I guess. He, he says that, but, but then he goes on and he talks about these, these gifts, right? And in essence, what Paul is saying right here is he's like, look, the, in a way, there's a way that my singleness gives focus to my life right now. This is Paul, right? He's single, single guy, widow. He's single. There's a way, not, not that you can't have focus and be married, but, but in this season of singleness, boy, my, my focus with God is just a whole lot more streamlined in this season. There, there's a gift here, right? Verse seven, each of you has his own gift. So, so sub 30, you can write this down one of your final notes tonight, stop envying someone else's gift. Don't envy someone else's gift. Watch this, if you're married, you have a gift. If you're single, you have a gift. They're both a gift. If you, oh, I'm gonna say it again. If you're single, you have a gift. I know some people are like, Pastor Clay, that was not on my registry at all. Can God exchange this gift? I'd like to exchange it, you know? so. It's a gift. Both are, are a gift, but, but I, I wanna show you this because that word gift in the Greek, it's the word charisma, and it actually means gift of grace. I love it. You see, boy, the Bible will preach to you, man, if you let it. It'll preach all day long. So watch this. Whether you're married or single, the real gift is not the marriage or the singleness. That is a gift, but it's not the greatest gift. The greatest gift is the gift of grace that God gives you. Marriage takes grace. Singleness, single living takes grace. Come on, it's not easy in a marriage. It's not easy being committed. It's not easy being faithful. It's not easy being positive. If you're single, it's not easy being pure. It's not easy being faithful. It takes grace. The real gift is grace. So some people, man, they are so focused on the gift that they want from God that they're missing the grace that he's already given them. There's a grace for where you're currently at. And it's a gift. I, I know some people, the majority of, of people in the room tonight are, are single. I mean, when I say single, maybe you're dating, but you're not married yet. That's what I mean. And, and that's the majority of people in the room. And, and so many people pray prayers like, God, come on, I want to be married, right? That's a good desire. And if you have that desire, I believe God's not gonna withhold that from you all the days of your life. You know, okay, it's, it's not gonna happen. He's gonna bring it to you. But in the meantime, don't miss the gift that you have in your hands. Don't miss the, the grace that you've already been given for this season. As single people, don't, don't miss the streamlined focus that you have right now, just you and God. There, there can be focus later, but, but it, there's gonna also be more distractions later, right? Your spouse isn't necessarily a distraction, but there's gonna be kids that come into the picture. And then all of a sudden, just your, your week's just gonna pick up and now there's more activities on the board and you're taking kids here and there and there's a whole lot more going on. And right now, it's just an opportunity. It's just a season where you and God having a streamlined focus and it's a gift. It's a gift. Don't, don't pass over the gift of grace in your hand because you're just, you're just throwing that to the side, begging God for the, the next gift that you want out here. Some people ask Pastor Clay, I just, I, I honestly don't understand. And I don't, I don't wanna make this whole series light of some of these issues because there are some people in here tonight and they genuinely, you've been doing singleness for a while. And, you're, and you honestly ask yourself like, man, like Clay, I've been asking God, like, is there anyone for me? Like, is it going to happen? Is, 
that person gonna be led into my life? I really want it and I desire it. And I just, I don't know what to do anymore. And, and, and I'm not God, okay? I can be your pastor. I can't be your God and I can't be your savior. I, I can't be the Holy Spirit for you. And so I, I don't know the full answer to that, but, but it could just be, I'm just gonna throw out a couple options. It, it could be that maybe still in this season, God is trying to help you recognize the boundaries before he brings the blessing, right? Adam and Eve stuff. He's helping people see the boundaries. Perhaps God's still in a season of helping you work through some issues. Maybe he still recognizes, hey, there's just a couple issues there that we just wanna work out because if we don't work them out now, you're gonna take that dysfunction into a relationship and it's just gonna end up not being a good scene going on right there. So, so that's why I have you where I have you. Right now, I, I don't know what the answer is, but just trust God that he's not being mean and withholding something from you that he knows that you want. God doesn't just stand up in heaven saying, look, look at all these funny people asking for a spouse. Hey, let's just, let's just keep letting them hanging. Let's keep letting them hanging. Like, come on, like, like that's, we know that's not God. We, we know he's not up there like playing games with us and having a laugh at our expense. That's not what he's doing. He's probably doing some other things. He's doing a work on the issues and then he'll get around to answering your questions that we all have. Why don't we stand to our feet tonight? I'm gonna pray for us and Liz is gonna come up and she'll dismiss us in a minute, maybe just give us a couple more pieces of information, but with every head bowed and every eye closed, it's gonna be a great series. And next week we're gonna talk about, um, we're gonna talk specifically about the passion. The passion that we have in a relationship, we all know you, you get into a relationship, there are some passions that begin to get stirred up uh, what do we do when those passions get stirred up? How do we control them? How do we go about them? We're gonna talk about passions. And then in week three, um, we're gonna talk about what happens when the flame dies. Uh, what happens, the, the Bible talks about, this is just, I'm just giving you an update, right? The Bible talks about that it's a profound mystery when two become one. But I believe it's equally as profound when one become two again. And we're gonna talk about that on week three, about what happens in marriage when the flame dies and the passion goes away and so, but every head bowed and every eye closed right now, I just wanna pray for people who need grace. I wanna pray for people, whether you're married, whether you're dating, whether you're single and you're still just enjoying life right now, just you and God and your friends and you got good people around you, every season has its strengths, every season has its struggles and every season requires grace. So wherever you're at right now, I'm not gonna embarrass you, but I would just ask that if you're like, hey, Pastor Clay, I need some grace right now. I just want you to lift your hand. I just wanna pray for you. Awesome, hands up just everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Just, just keep it up, just keep it up for a second. Man, in, in a society that has these topics completely backwards at times, man, it takes grace to do it the right way when you're constantly surrounded by the wrong way. It takes grace to take a stand and abide by the standard when the majority of the people that we're around all day have just thrown the standard out the window, right? It takes grace. I wanna pray for you tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every individual with their hand raised. God, even for the people who don't have their hand raised. Lord, we all need grace. God, I pray for every season of life right now. Lord, whether we're single in the room, whether we're married, God, I pray that you would just be generous. Help give us grace through the season well. God, help us be committed to the process. Help us abide by the standard. God, help us not, Lord, Lord there's, there's obviously urges. God, you created us as, as sexual beings. God, we're, we're a lot of different things, but you created us to be sexual. God, we have a DNA that is begging to be reproduced. We have all of these passions and desires in, inside of us, God, and, and sometimes it's just tough 
to stay pure. Sometimes it's just tough to stay faithful, but God, we need grace to do it. Lord, I just pray that you would grace us. Lord, I pray that, God, you would be with us. Some of us who are really, really genuinely struggling in this area, God, I pray that you would be so, so gracious. Let your Holy Spirit help us, guide us. Lord, in moments when we just gotta cry out and lean on you, God, that you would give us what we need in that moment to stand strong, to, to maybe weather the, the current storm as it passes. And God, we know that we're gonna get back on the other side. And God, we, all we gotta is just step by step, God. If we, can, if we can do it right one day, it's gonna be easier the next day. And if we can do it right for one week, it's gonna be easier the next week. And if we can do it right one month, it's gonna be easier the next month. God, there's a standard. And Lord, it leads to whole, blessed, and fulfilled. God, we want that. I don't think there's a person in here tonight that would say, no thanks, I don't wanna be blessed, I don't wanna be fulfilled, and I don't wanna be whole. God, everyone wants those things. It's human nature to want those things, and God, you promise those things. So Lord, we receive your grace. Come on, wherever you're at right now, just you can whisper it to yourself. Just say, God, I receive the grace. I receive the grace. I receive the grace for this gift that you've given me in this season, in this year, in this time in my life. God, I pray for the rest of this series that our hearts would be open, that you would keep us from offense, keep us from bitterness, keep us from condemnation and shame. Lord, when the enemy is trying to bring shame and condemnation on people because of our past, in Jesus' name, you remind the enemy of his future, that he is defeated, that he is under our feet, that he has no voice in what's going on in our life anymore. There's no guilt, there's no shame, and there's no condemnation in Jesus. God, we're all a work in progress, and your Holy Spirit is helping us every step of the way. Lord, we love you, and we receive the grace that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said amen. Amen, come on.